right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. Alright? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson. Sort of flying solo today, at least in the KLWN studio. Nick Springer is out in Des Moines. He's got you covered this week. Uh, You can definitely check out all the coverage at RCST1320 on Twitter. He's going to join the show, though, at 4.05 to take part in the KU mailbag, and then at 5.05 to give us some updates from out at Des Moines, what's KU been looking like, the latest on Bill Self, Kevin McCuller, and uh, all sorts of stuff with Nick coming up later in the show. Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, is going to hop on with us in about 20 minutes from right now. And then uh, we also got some audio from Norm Roberts, Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris that we'll get to on today's show. We are out again at 5.30 for pregame coverage starting with Westwood 1, Texas Southern versus Fairleigh Dickinson, and then Arizona State Nevada. We'll have all that Westwood 1 coverage tonight. Tomorrow we're going to have Westwood 1 coverage all day before the KU game and after the KU game. The KU game will be on at 11.30 for pregame tip-off at 1 here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. The University of Kansas Jayhawks are the Big 12 champions. They are a one seed in the West region. Homefield Apparel is celebrating with all new apparel from KU alumni and fans of all ages. Head to homefieldapparel.com or the Homefield Apparel app to purchase these limited edition Kansas apparel offerings, including new t-shirts, ringers, crewnecks, hoodies, joggers, and more. They've got awesome designs. you got to check them out. Um, they're Super comfy gear. It's stuff that you're going to be comfortable and warm if you're outside and it's cold, but also just comfy kind of laying around the house. And you can get 15% off with code ROCKCHOCK23. You can check out some of the designs from the Circus Font Kansas to the 1912 KU logo or the Warhawk, a 1988 National Championship shirt. How about last year's National Championship shirt? You can get it all at Home Field Apparel, and these items are limited time only and are selling out, so use it fast. 15% off with code ROCKCHOCK23 with Home Field Apparel and at homefieldapparel.com. Start off the show here, some updates to Bill Self, Kevin McCuller. Like I said, we'll talk more about this with Nick later on in the show, and we'll get to some of the audio so you can hear it directly from those guys. But uh, Kevin McCuller basically sounds like he's good to go. He's been practicing. He's been feeling a lot better. I guess Grady Dick has been dealing with some sort of back issue as well. He sounds like he's good to go, feeling a lot better. And then the news on Bill Self isn't necessarily as much of a positive arrow up. He was originally supposed to be speaking with the media today. It ended up being Norm Roberts. So that on its own doesn't bode well. He obviously didn't uh, drive up with the team last night. That ended up being... Norm Roberts coming off the bus. He drove up separately, uh, so that's not great. But Norm Roberts also said that he was taking part in practice yesterday, and um, you could ask the players, and they certainly felt like he was getting on them. So this this very much could be a situation where KU is just every little bit of extra rest they can give him, every little less thing to put on his plate they're trying to do, and maybe he does end up coaching 
if you're asking me to give like an educated guess, again, this is not me reporting anything. This is not me necessarily um, saying I have some like inside sources. No, not at all. This is me making an educated guess just based on the idea that he has not been appearing at these media veils, that he wasn't at open practice, which I get it. That's more of like a shoot around. I'm kind of leaning toward the idea that he doesn't coach on Thursday, but he's still going to be around the program, whether he does or does not coach, which again, still wouldn't totally rule out. And he's going to be helping the the team in different ways, whether it's talking to players, whether it's helping with scouting report, helping Norm Roberts and the other coaches get ready for the game. The question would be, would that mean he's out for the entire week if he misses Thursday's game? Or would they just say, hey, like, well, we have a better chance of winning this one against Howard. It's a one sixteen matchup. Let's let's make sure you're good to go for the eight nine matchup instead. That'll be the ultimate question. That unfortunately, with today being our last show, airing a bunch of Westwood One coverage and KU coverage over the next couple of days, we won't be able to get to you here on RCST. So we're kind of a little bit in the dark there. But if you're asking me to make the educated guess, I'm assuming it's going to be Norm Roberts time. If it is Norm Roberts time, you should feel confident. He went six and one. As a head coach over the course of this season, 4-0 and at the start of the year, 2-1 and in the Big 12 tournament. And the only loss in that stretch, yes, it was bad. They lost by a lot of points, but it was to a two-seed in the Midwest who could have even been a one-seed with Texas. And when you look at some of the wins they accrued, yes, there's a couple like Southern Utah in there, but there's also a couple other wins where you beat Iowa State, who's a six-seed. You beat Duke, who's a five-seed. You beat West Virginia, who's a nine-seed. That You should have confidence in Norm Roberts to get you through this first week of action if that is indeed the case of what's going to happen here. Let's get into those previews of the specific matchups. Let's start with the first-round matchup against Howard. Howard was ranked 216th in the country on Ken Palm. They went 22-12 and this season, but they have gotten hot as of late. They've won 13 of their last 15 games. Part of that is they've just been playing better basketball. Another part of that is the schedule just lightens up. They are in the MEAC, which is, I think, the 28th rated conference in college basketball. So this is not like a great team. Now, they do do certain things well. You know, they got here for a reason. They shoot the three ball really well. 37.2% from three-point range. In conference-only games, it's up to 42.6%. And in conference-only games, they're at a 56.5 effective field goal percentage, which is incredible. For the season, they're at 52% on effective field goal rate, which is 92nd in the country. They also are really good at getting offensive rebounds, 28th in the country there. Um, but obviously, playing against smaller opponents. KU's not an overly-sized team, but probably bigger than some of the teams they're playing against there. They turn the ball over too much offensively. Then on the defensive side of the ball, they try to speed you up. They're going to press a lot of the game. They're 53rd in the country in turnover rate defensively, 126th in steal rate defensively. They're not very good outside of that. They don't get defensive rebounds at a high rate. They foul too much. Part of that's because of them you know, pressuring and everything. They're not great at protecting the rim. Pretty much if you're Kansas, just take care of the basketball, guard the three-point line, you're going to be fine. The way that this game ends up being a little scarier than you like, it's closer than you like, or KU doesn't cover the spread, Howard ends up covering the spread, is KU has too many turnovers against the press, but the fact that you have Dewan Harris makes you feel good about that, and that they just get hot from three. I mean, there's even a scenario where they go like 10 for 20 from three, and you still beat them by 15, 20, 25 points, like, that could very much happen. They don't take a lot of threes. They're 231st in the country in the amount of field goals they attempt that are from three, but they hit them at that insanely high rate. 
But what has to make you also feel good about this matchup if you're KU, Elijah Hawkins is Howard's best player. 5'11", sophomore guard, gets a couple steals per game. He gets you know five, six assists per game, scores 13 points per game. He's their, their leader in points per game, assists per game, all that stuff. And he also is a really good shooter. He's shooting 45% from three-point range this season, which is 23rd in the entire country. But he's the point guard. Last I checked, Dewan Harris won Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Last I checked, Dewan Harris is really good at getting steals and shutting other guys down offensively. If you make Elijah Hawkins struggle for it, have to shoot too many shots and not be as efficient. Oh, and by the way, Hawkins is also averaging four turnovers per game. This should be a game where Dewan could get three, four, five steals. That makes you feel good that you can kind of cut the head off the snake, so to speak. And the fact that they press... Well, you have a, a good passing team. You have a good ball movement team led by Dewan Harris. That makes you feel good there. Most of the teams you played in Big 12 play are good at pressuring the ball, getting steals. So you should be used to that. Those things should all make you feel good about this game for Kansas, not just winning, but maybe being able to cover the spread. If Marcus Dockery and Hawkins, though, who both shoot over 40%, about mid-40s for both them from three, get going, that's how they they end up covering the spread. Or if you turn it over too much, that's how it goes the other way. I would almost also imagine this should be a good game for Kansas um, in terms of creating extra possessions in other ways because of the fact Howard is 308th in the country in offensive or in uh, defensive rebound rate. That means you're going to have offensive rebound chances. Hello, Jalen Wilson. They are 356th in the country in turning the ball over too much offensively. You should be able to create extra steals. Those two things, even if you do have a you know, a little more turnovers than normal, and they do shoot well from three, you can still get back the game in those areas, and you should be able to. There's so many avenues KU has to win this game big because of that that I'm picking Kansas to cover the spread against Howard, uh, especially with, you know, everybody kind of back in the starting lineup. But, again, the avenue for Howard making it closer than you would like is a couple of those things end up uh, going their way. What about a second-round matchup? We won't obviously have a show on Friday to discuss if KU wins on Thursday and then who they would be playing at that point on Saturday. So we'll just get into that now. The eight seed is Arkansas. The nine seed is Illinois. If it's Arkansas, they are 20th in Ken Palm. They're a good team, but they've lost a lot of games, 20 and 13. They don't really have that signature win over the course of the season. I guess San Diego State was their best win uh, if you're looking by like Ken Palm. But in the SEC portion of the season, they had a lot of chances to beat the top-notch teams. They played Alabama twice. They lost both games, one by 15, one by three. They played Tennessee one time, and they lost by 18. They played Kentucky, and they lost by nine. Uh, they played Texas A&M twice, once in the SEC tournament. They lost one by, uh, actually, they lost both games by six points. Um, they, they lost to Baylor by three points in the, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. They lost to Creighton in the regular season by three. So they've been close in a lot of these games, but couldn't come up with actually that win. But they're a very talented team. Anthony Black is going to be a first-round pick. He's a six-foot-seven point guard, shoots 31% from three, so not ultra-efficient, but he can at least get hot there. He just fills up the stat sheet. Devontae Davis is kind of a good scoring guard. Nick Smith is going to be a lottery pick. He's a shooting guard who can get hot and, and kind of carry a team, but he can also be very efficient, shooting a lot of shots. And then they play the two Mitchell twins down low. Makai and Mikel 
are both 6'9", 6'10", about 230, 240 pounds. So they've got good size there, but they will kind of play small. You'll see a lot of Ricky Council throughout the different kind of guard wing positions for them. They play a deep lineup. They play a bunch of athletic wings. They get out in transition, and they score on that end of the floor. They don't take a lot of threes, though, and they shoot them at a very low percentage. They're kind of like TCU, to be honest. Um, They're a good defensive team, top 15 in the country. They play at a fast pace. They don't shoot threes well. They don't shoot a lot of threes, but they can shoot twos well. They get to the rim well, and they're athletic like the TCU team. But I don't think they're quite as good as TCU, at least a fully healthy TCU. Uh, The big worry there is they're really good at forcing, again, steals and turnovers defensively. So that's going to be the thing you're challenged with. If it's Arkansas, it would be their defense and the size and versatility of those defenders on the outside and because of the talent with Illinois they're 33rd on Ken Palm so just by that you would rather play Illinois and they've kind of limped to the finish line here they've lost three of their last four games and five of their last eight games they have a switchable wing heavy lineup Terrence Shannon is 6'6 he plays a lot at the point guard Ty Rogers 6'6 at the shooting guard RJ Melendez 6'7 at the the small forward Matthew Meyer at about 6'8 6'9 is a power forward and then you have Coleman Hawkins at 6'10", who's kind of a switchable center. They do have the the ultra big man when they want to go for girth with Dane Danger at 6'9", 270 pounds they can throw in. Um, so those guys kind of make it a switchable lengthy lineup all throughout, which certainly would be a, a challenge for KU that you have to deal with. Uh, but just like Arkansas, Illinois, not top 50 in offense. They're a better defensive team. Uh, Illinois does it a little differently. Arkansas is more about forcing tempo, forcing turnovers. Illinois is really good at just rim protection. They're 7th in the country in block rate, 16th in the country in two-point defense. Offensively, though, like Arkansas, they can't shoot from three. They're 331st in the country in three-point percentage. But unlike Arkansas, they are 65th in the country in the amount of shots they take from three-point range. So Arkansas is, hey, we're not good at shooting threes. Let's not shoot threes. Illinois is, we're not good at shooting threes, but let's keep letting them fly. But they're 18th in the country in two-point rate offensively. So you're a little scared by Illinois because they're not scared to take threes, even if they're not great at them, which means they could have a high volume three game where they just hit a bunch of them and go bananas, which is a little scary. So from that standpoint, you'd rather play Arkansas, but from the overall team talent, I think you'd rather play Illinois if both teams are at their ceiling. Then again, Illinois also possibly beat you in a secret scrimmage. So I think either way you're looking at it, I'm just going to go into the game and, and I don't think there's really one that you're you know, going gung-ho about that they would win the game. I think in either game, you're relying a lot on Dewan Harris to control the tempo, the pace of the game. I think if you're playing against um, either team, you're probably going to be in a situation where maybe it is more of a switch five game as opposed to some of the games where we've seen, you know, just stick on these guys. Or maybe it will be. Maybe it'll be, you know, Kevin McCuller, you guard Anthony Black, and Dewan Harris, you get on Nick Smith or vice versa. If it's Illinois, because they have all the, the wings, maybe it does make more sense to to kind of switch around on everything. So it'll be interesting to see how KU approaches that stuff. But both teams are very good and and would make for very difficult um, matchups in the second round for KU. We're going to take a time out here. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, to discuss more about those matchups specifically and the week ahead for KU in the NCAA tournament. This is RCST on KLWN, depending on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? 
You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Nick Springer is out in Des Moines, and uh, we'll be joined by Nick for a couple segments coming up later in the show. Joined now, though, by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. You can hear him on the call through the Jayhawk radio network here on KLWN tomorrow and our sister station, 105.9 KISS, with pregame starting at 11.30. Tip-off will be at 1 o'clock for that game. I guess first things first, Brian, uh, now we're back into the NCAA tournament. Uh, it, it almost feels like, to me, this this whole season was a bit more of a blur. It was a bit more of a rush than last season. And, and I don't know if that's from winning the title. I don't know if that's just a me thing. But now that we're in the NCAA tournament, it feels a little bit different to me, too, because you're defending champs. It's also, I guess, a bit of a different vibe because it's felt like a lot of the questions coming into this week for KU have been about the status of Bill Self and Kevin McCuller and, and I guess, Grady Dick was dealing kind of with a back injury. What's just kind of your take on, I don't know, the uh, the vibes, so to speak, or, or the feeling around Des Moines as, as we kind of head into the NCAA tournament uh, after the, the regular season and Big 12 tournament for KU? I guess what's different for me this week compared to the last two or four months is just that uh, it seems like all those national pundits that were throwing roses at the Big 12 and talking about what a historically great conference this is, it's like they're writing us off and counting us out before we even tip off the ball. And I'm not just talking about KU. I'm talking about anybody not named Texas right now. Uh, it's just it's wild to see what one week of a news cycle can do with Baylor and K-State going out early on Thursday in Kansas City. The health scare that Coach Self had, coupled with the Kevin McCuller back spasms and another blowout loss. And next thing you know, you know, a lot of national pundits are counting this league out. When we thought eight to ten days ago, we were talking about, hey, can we get four into the Sweet 16? Could we get two to the Final Four? That kind of thing. And now you really don't see that. I think you know the, the popular choice of the national media in the West region is the four-seed UConn. Seems like the popular choice in Purdue's region out east is Duke. I can't remember a year where there was such a, a universal consensus for a four and a five seed, and it's just kind of overlooking what uh, you know we thought was a really good year out of the Big 12. And You still see a few folks picking Kansas and a lot more folks picking Texas, but there isn't a lot of Baylor, K-State, you know, it's a type of love, making a big run, that kind of thing. And, and I think, in my mind, TCU – Underseeded as a six seed, I think for all the Jayhawk fans that are up in arms over how tough this West region is, what if Drew Timmy never gets to Vegas? What if TCU takes him out in round two? That's my favorite second-round upset pick, and I feel pretty good about it. So I, don't give up on the Big 12 just yet. I think that's the, the big uh, change of, of vibe that I've felt in the last few days. But you're right, it certainly is a different feeling with Kansas coming back as defending national champs. We just don't have that uh, you know, swagger or, I guess, reputation preceding us as defending champs since Bill Self isn't at the podium doing the press conference and so many faces have changed from that title team. It sure doesn't feel like they're anointing us with anything, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's the chip that this Kansas team needs to motivate them even more. Yeah, speaking of that chip, does does it feel like because it, I mean we heard from KJ Adams on on Sunday after the uh, the selection and, and I think his exact words was was shocked that that they didn't end up getting the Midwest and I guess I I think it can go one of two ways if if Kansas um, 
is focused, I guess, on the wrong things. Like, that could be a bad thing. But I think it might actually end up being a good thing, the idea that they feel like they were slighted to not, not get the Midwest and that now you do have all these people, like you said, maybe picking against them with whether it's UConn or a second-round game with Arkansas or Illinois. Do you, do you get that sense at all that the team's going to be playing kind of with an F, extra chip on their shoulder right now? Maybe so. You know, the only guys I talked with the link today were Jalen and DeWan, and neither of them brought it up. But I could definitely see how that could fuel their fire a little bit. Um, and, and who knows if Bill Self pushes that button as a motivational ploy or not. But certainly when you're the normal hunted as, as the, the top dogs of the conference and class of, of the college nation, uh, basketball nation, usually everybody's gunning for you and, and you don't have that motivational of, of uh, overlooked and underdog chip to play or deploy. In this case, Bill Self could push that button if he wanted to, so we'll see. But uh, more than anything, I, I just sense a really calm presence from both Jalen and DeWan today. Um, you know, and, and you would expect that. They just played six tournament games a year ago. And to me, that's the big differential of anybody we play here in Des Moines this week, whether it's Arkansas, Illinois, or, or Howard up first. The tournament experience that our most important players have, even Kevin Culler with his Sweet 16 run with Texas Tech a year ago, We've got some guys that have some major experience that, that I think is going to pay dividends for them in, in settling in and not letting the stage be too bright. Um, and so, you know, that, that to me hopefully is a big advantage for Kansas, regardless of, of what's going on on the sidelines, how energetic Bill Self can be, um, you know, that kind of thing. So looking forward to tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly – worrisome and mindful of that 8-9 matchup as well. We are most years. That's always a tricky game, but I'll tell you what, heading into Selection Sunday, there were a handful of teams I didn't want to see on the 8-9 line, and two of them wound up being with us in Des Moines. So it's going to be a good test no matter what, and uh, it should be this time of year. But I would say this about, about our region as a whole. You know, for the Kansas fans that were freaking out over five of Ken Palm's top 11 teams being in the West, just remember we're one of those five, and of the other four, they're all going to play each other before we get to them, so two of the four will be gone. And then from there, you know, like I said, I, I think, you know, Gonzaga has a great chance to go out to TCU in round two. As two seeds go, 10 days ago, UCLA would have really scared me, but, you know, when they lose the big the uh, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year and their second-leading scorer, and they've got another big man with a shoulder injury. You know, I'm not so sure that they're quite as as, as daunting or, or vaunted of a two-seed as as they could have been. And so I've seen everything that, that folks are throwing out there about this draw and this region and how tough it is. And I would just caution you that, hey, we're still a really good team. Kevin McCullough looks very spry and bouncy today at the open practice, said the back spasms are a thing of the past. And once we get the Hall of Famer Bill Self you know, back there on the sidelines, look out. Don't count these guys out. And maybe to your point, Derek, that the fact that some folks are will fuel that fire even more for a team that should be plenty hungry, but now might be a little bit angry too. We're talking with the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. And, and yeah, I was actually uh, – Mentioning kind of the Ken Palm numbers, I, I just got to thinking about this. Uh, the 2003 NCAA tournament, so a little bit of similarities. I mean, KU didn't win the title in 02, but they made the Final Four, and they were trying to go back to another Final Four in uh, 2003, which is the case that, that they're going to be trying to do here. And uh, looking back on that, like that was a, a pretty loaded bracket, too, and KU was able to get through. They ended up playing Duke as their three seed, 
And I don't know what the numbers were coming into the tournament, but Duke finished Ken Palm that year ranked sixth. And then Arizona was the one seed in the uh, Elite Eight, and they finished the year ranked fourth in Ken Palm. So um, I guess it, it's been done before, if that's helpful at all. Now, now obviously, going to the first-round game, taking on Howard, 16 seed. Okay, he was over a 20-point favorite in this game. Um, I, I know that, I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting because sometimes people work themselves up maybe too much with the idea that, hey, it's the 16 seed shooting lights out from three and... Uh, I think in conference only play, they shot over 42% from three-point range, which would have been the best mark in the entire country. But also at the same point in time, then you have the other side where it's like, ah, don't worry about anything. It's just a 16 seed. And um, obviously the team's going to have to still focus to get through anytime you're in an NCAA tournament. Uh, what intriguing storylines or matchups or just aspects of the game are you kind of most interested by uh, for the first-round matchup? You know, I mean, there's a few intriguing storylines. You know, we found out a little bit today in, in talking with their coaching staff of, of Coach Blake and his familiarity with Jalen Wilson from the Combine a year ago. It was neat to hear about Elijah Hawkins having an internship in Washington, D.C. there at the Capitol. And uh, neat to hear the famous list of alums academically that have come from Howard. But, you know, beyond that, from a basketball, Jimmy's and Joe's X's and O's standpoint, they've obviously got some very capable three-point shooters, and that's usually what scares you this time of year. Uh, I think they feel very confident in listening to the guys they sent to the podium today and, and uh, you know, the, the confidence they have to, to make this a ball game and put a scare into Kansas. At the same time, I think our guys are dialed in. They're not taking anything for granted. They know they have to bring it on the perimeter in terms of defense. And uh, and they know that, that Howard's come a long ways from the drubbing they took to Kentucky back in their first game of the year when they lost by 32. So I think Kansas expects a fight, but you hope it's one of those games where after the first uh, you know 15 to 20 minutes, you really see the cream rise to the top. I did find this interesting, and this is not a storyline at all, but just as someone that's putting spotting boards together for the next, uh, well, week and a half, we hope. Hopefully three weeks, honestly. But uh, in doing the prep, obviously Elijah Hawkins is the big name that uh, you know we're, we're really keyed on tomorrow and looking forward to seeing. The, uh, the third leading scorer for Illinois is also a Hawkins. And then, of course, everybody seems to think UConn's version of Hawkins is going to be the one that knocks us out of the tournament. I would counter with that by saying, as impressive as Jordan Hawkins is, he probably hasn't had a guy like DeWan Harris following him around all day or Kevin McCullough, too. So I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch on that one just yet. But it's a three-pack of Hawkins, potentially, the next three games. So I don't know if we need to get Coach Jeff Hawkins up here or what, but we got to counter with the Hawkins parade because public enemy number one on, on two of potentially our next three opponents or maybe all three, if Illinois were to win, is a Hawkins. So look out. Uh, she gets that to know your foe these next few games. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, uh, and as far as that second-round matchup goes, Arkansas-Illinois, as you mentioned, those are two that could make it tough. Everybody remembers the, I don't know, the secret scrimmage news that came out where it was it was like one half of basketball, but some people were saying Illinois beat them by a point. With, with Arkansas, you have a couple possible lottery picks on the team. What sticks out to you about a possible second-round matchup on Saturday? Well, just what you mentioned, I think they're both scary teams, but Arkansas's athleticism and the fact that they have arguably three top 40 NBA draft prospects and two that could be in the top 15, that is scary. I think there's a little bit more of a known commodity with what you're up against 
with Meyer and Shannon on Illinois because we've seen them at Baylor and Texas Tech, respectively. But I think with both these clubs, you have elite-level upside with, with top 10, top 15 potential, but just a ton of inconsistency, and a lot of that has to do with youth. Uh, but, but Kansas, as a more veteran team, and not a completely veteran team, but clearly with guys like Harris, and McCuller and Jalen Wilson leading the way, hopefully that leads to an experience differential and a settled-in confidence that, that separates Kansas from whoever the opponent is. Of the two, we probably match up a little bit better with Illinois, but be careful what you ask for, right? Because you know there's, there's a lot of folks that seem to think that from a talent perspective, they're not too far off from uh, Purdue as, as one of the more talented teams in the Big Ten this year. So uh, I'm definitely mindful of both, and uh, I think it's a much tougher second-round draw than what we had a year ago in Fort Worth, and obviously Kalkbrenner going down with the injury for Creighton made that matchup even easier. But uh, this is a tougher-than-typical 8-9 draw, and I think you would probably agree. I was kind of running the numbers and, and looking back on, on all the 8-9s in recent Bill Self-era second-round matchups, and, and this one has way more star power and athleticism and, and scariness to it. I, I know we took on a Tom Izzo coach Spartans team down in Tulsa back in 2017 that, that had some future pros on it. We won that one by 18 or 20, so maybe we shouldn't be too concerned. But uh, it's definitely, as I mentioned, two teams that we did not want to see on that line. So hopefully Kansas is at full strength should they get there. Uh, hopefully Bill Self's feeling better and better. And, and Saturday's a day we remember is one that we found a way to survive in advance and, and moved on to Vegas where the field was still challenging. But mark my words, not exactly who you think is going to be there in Vegas next week. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you brought up that Michigan State one because uh, I, I think that does hold a little bit of similarities to Arkansas. Now, if you just look at like Ken Palm, Arkansas is a better team than that Michigan State one was, but they had Miles Bridges, they had Jaron Jackson, they had a couple of those, uh, or maybe they didn't have Jaron Jackson at that point, but they had a couple guys who uh, were, I don't know, five-star recruits, high-level guys that, that it might be kind of similar there. Uh, we have a question upcoming in our KU mailbag, which we're going to get to in the 4 o'clock hour, and, and I'm just going to you know repurpose it and ask it to you because I think it's an interesting question. Do you have a favorite first weekend memory of a uh, Bill Self weekend? That, that's the question we got asked. I thought that one came to mind. I think the 2018 one comes to mind where you were uh, playing with like an injured Yudoka Azubuke. Obviously, last year comes to mind. Um, Cole Aldridge, I think, having a triple-double. There's a couple others that come to mind. What, what's your uh, most memorable or, or favorite first weekend memory for a Bill Self team? Well, I tell you what, you've listed off a couple of my favorites already. I think the atmosphere in Wichita for that 2018 game with Seton Hall, which was a, a big boy game. They had a star big man that was a walking double-double, and that proved to be a, a great test for Kansas and, and one that really propelled us all the way to San Antonio after a, a great following weekend in uh, Omaha where we took down Duke. But that was definitely high-level ball right there. And then uh, I was there the, the day Cole got the first recorded triple-double in Kansas basketball history. We were up in Minneapolis, and uh, – you know, it was neat for a guy who's from that area so close to home to do something so historic. Now, they didn't chart all the blocks and other stat categories when Wilt played, or he would have averaged a triple-double, but that was pretty special. And Cole's going to be with us on Saturday up here in Des Moines. 
So uh, as long as the Jayhawks do their part tomorrow and are still dancing on Saturday, we're going to have Cole on stage at the pep rally talking about that moment. So how could I pick anything but that if you're asking for uh, Bill Self first weekend memories? I I think the best of our memories are usually the second and third weekends, obviously, and we think about things from the first weekend, the, the, uh, the heartbreak stands out more so than the exciting times because usually in the first weekend, Kansas is just expected to mow them down and move on. But you highlighted some great ones there, and I got a feeling that this matchup on Saturday, should the Jayhawks get there against Arkansas and Illinois, you know, might rival the hotly contested Seton Hall-type game and uh, you know, the type of, of action that not only do you feel great that you want it, but you're better for it. You got really tested and challenged and gained a ton of confidence because of it. So here's hoping that's the case on Saturday here in Des Moines. Brian, appreciate the time as always. Before we let you go, a word from Nate Miller. That's right. Just as Bill Self has a game plan for the Howard Bison, Nate Miller wants to sit down with you and take a look at your current portfolio or maybe draw one up for the first time and put together a game plan for your financial future. So check him out today at MillerRetirementGroup.com. That's MillerRetirementGroup.com. And uh, absolutely, they want to work with you. Hey, I'll keep an eye on Nick Springer. He's been running wild in downtown Des Moines. <laughs> you should have seen him last night at Fong's Pizza. He was taking down the uh, Crab Rangoon pizza like it was going out of style. And uh, he's living it up up here. So I'll try to keep an eye on Little Brother for you. And uh, no, it's all seriousness. He's doing a great job. We miss you up here. And hopefully we'll see you uh, at, at a future round site, my man, because uh, it's not the NCAA tournament without Derek Johnson with us. So get your bags packed for Vegas next week, and we'll see if the Jayhawks can hold up there into the bargain. I appreciate it. Brian, have a good one. Have a good call, man. Thanks, buddy. That was Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Coming up next, we've got some audio from Norm Roberts, who met with the media earlier today. Nick Springer out in Des Moines was able to be there for the presser. We'll share that with you on the other side. This is RCST. Welcome back into RCST. Derek Johnson with you solo today, sort of. Nick Springer uh, going to be calling in for a couple of our segments coming up later in the show. We uh, just spoke with Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks here on RCST. Had a chance earlier today for, to hear from Norm Roberts, who filled in for Bill Self at the media availability. Originally earlier this week, it was supposed to be Bill Self ended up being Norm Roberts. So it could just be something small that, hey, you know, they're trying to limit as much as possible with Bill Self, trying to keep him as rested as possible and take every little bit of rest extra that he can get. Sounds like he was at practice and everything, but also maybe this is kind of a precursor to the idea that the Bill Self won't be on the sidelines, at least for tomorrow's game, if not the whole week, but that he's still kind of around the team, helping with practice, maybe helping with scout and some of the different video elements to the game, or or maybe, again, it's, it's just little bits of rest. That certainly is going to be interesting to monitor headed into uh, tomorrow's game against Howard and then even further assuming they win that game into the second round of the tournament when uh, certainly not having Bill Self against a good Arkansas or Illinois team would be pretty uh, detrimental possibly to KU but here is what Norm Roberts said earlier today uh, with media reporters asking him questions over at Des Moines in uh, the hotel arena area well we love coming here Uh, Des Moines has been very good to us and we know all the best places to eat so it's been good this time we'll take uh, questions. Please raise your hand. We have a microphone holder. Front row, left side. 
Hey, Coach. Scott Reese, KCTV5. Um, Two-part question. First, as a guy who's been around and doing this as long as you have, maybe just some perspective on how difficult it is to defend a national title. Well, it, it is difficult, but, but, you know, the tough thing is that when you're at Kansas, I shouldn't say the tough thing, the good thing is, when you're at Kansas, you're always getting everybody's best shot every single time you play. So it's just added on to us being national champions and, and those things. And we haven't really talked about that a ton. Uh, uh, we, what we've talked about is staying in the moment and, and playing for now. This is a different team. What, what we accomplished last year was fantastic. We enjoy it. Um, we're honored by it. But uh, we also understand it's a whole new whole new situation. If you'll indulge me one more kind of big picture, uh, how, how has it been so, I don't want to say seamless, but – you lose 70% of your production from a national title team, and yet here you are, number one seed. That's not easy to do. How has this group been able to kind of pick up where you left off and, and make it look seamless? Well, it's not seamless, but I would say, you know, our model at our place is uh, faces change, expectations don't, and our guys understand that. Uh, knowing the one thing that we have is, you know, we have a great coach, and he utilizes his team in the best way. And he figures out a way that's going to be best for that particular group. We played a certain way last year um, that was very good for that team. And this year we had to tweak things and play a little bit differently. And, and Coach Self is never afraid to do anything like that. And our guys have really responded. I'm going to stay on the left side. Go ahead. Hey, Norm, David Lawrence, Jayhawk Radio. Uh, just talk about finally getting out of the conference and playing someone else and uh, and a rundown of Coach Blakeney's team. Obviously, they like to get out and run and shoot threes, and do they remind you of any conference team? I don't know if they remind you of any conference team, but, but the one thing they are is they're very, very long. They're very long. They've got a lot of size on the perimeter, 6'9", uh, settles, you know, you know, so they're big. And we've had to deal with that all season. They have an unbelievable point guard in Hawkins who can really – he can shoot. He shoots 47% from the three. But he's an unbelievable quarterback, very similar to Juan. He gets the ball to the guys in the right position. Uh, Dockery is a tremendous shooter for them. Settles, you know, made second team all-conference. Elijah, first team all-conference. So you're playing against a champion. You're playing against a team that knows how to win. You're playing against a team that's older and uh, I'm battle-tested, so we know we're going to get their best shot. And, you know, Coach Blankney has done a great job, a great job with that program, and, and uh, they're, they're playing really well right now. Front row. Gary Bedard, Casey Starr. Coach, uh, what's the condition of Coach Self, and do you expect he'll coach tomorrow, and how is he today? And I have a follow-up. He, he's doing well today. Was at practice today. Was at practice last night in all of our meetings. Uh, he's doing well. He's getting better all the time. Uh, we're hopeful, and uh, everything is day-to-day with him. But he, he uh, if you ask our guys, he got after him pretty good today. So he was, he was doing really well. And what about Grady Dick and uh, Kevin McCullers physical condition updates? Oh, both guys practiced full speed today and, and had great bounce to them. So they're both doing well. Stay on the left side on the aisle. Nick Springer, Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Coach, how much do you think Big 12 conference play has helped prepare your team for making it the eternal run this year? 
Well, in the Big 12, you're going to play against all styles. You'll play against zone. You'll play against man. You'll play against physicality. You'll play against speed. You'll play against size. You know, so you're going to get the gamut of everything. So hopefully that has prepared us uh, uh, for the tournament. You know, uh, it's one of those things that in our league, you know, it was a battle every single night, no matter where you were, home or away, and hopefully that will help us in the tournament. Question on the back corner, and then we're – Move up there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Eric Olson with the Associated Press. I just wanted to follow up on, on Coach Self. Um, it was his absence today from the media stuff. Is that just because he's just recuperating and tired, or, or could you just kind of talk about that? Oh, he's getting his rest. He's getting his rest and, and that stuff. So um, maybe he thinks that I talk too much, so he's letting me talk more. So, uh, But he's just back getting some rest right now. He's doing good, though. I know Will Kennedy with the Des Moines Register. Um, Joseph obviously played in Des Moines for a little bit, played at Drake. When, I don't want you to speak for Coach Self, but when he entered the transfer portal, what did you guys as a staff see in him to make him want to come to Kansas? Well, we saw explosiveness, scoring ability. You know, obviously that dunk he had was, was the big show at, of uh, the NCAA tournament that year. And, and uh, Joe, Joe has done good for us. He has done good for us. He, he supplies a spark off the bench, both offensively and defensively. Other questions, we have about four minutes left here. Left side, back row. Dan Lucero, WWW Topeka. Obviously last year you guys went into the NCAA tournament on the high of having won the Big 12 tournament, used that momentum to win the national championship. This year you come in having lost in the Big 12 championship game. How can you use that, the lessons from that defeat, as a positive and, and kind of spin that as a positive way to go into the tournament, having learned lessons from loss in that way? Well, well, you can do a lot by learning from sometimes failure or a lack of success. And, and uh, you know, we realized there were some things that we did in those games or in that game particularly um, that we need to get better at. And we didn't defend. We didn't play. We, we had – we had really played well defensively the first two games. And, and the uh, last game, we did not come out with that mindset. And if you don't come out with that mindset against a good team and a talented team as, as Texas is, you're going to put yourself behind the eight ball. And we did. And, and then as the game went on, I thought we'd get a little fatigued. And, uh, and then we made some ill-advised mistakes at the end of the shot clock, and they took advantage of it. So give them a lot of credit with what they did. But uh, we've already been able to watch film, look at that, and say, hey, this is where we got to get better. Any other questions out there for Coach Roberts? In the back row. Brendan Dorzinski, WIBW Topeka. You mentioned Kevin's feeling better going into this week. How important is it specifically on the defensive end to get him back as soon as possible? It's huge. It's huge. Well, you, you're talking about one of the best defensive players in the country in Kevin McCullers. I mean, he can guard a point guard or he can guard a center. Doesn't matter. And, and the other thing that Kevin does for us is he does so many little things as far as offensive rebounding, uh, defensive rebounding, and then he's an extremely good cutter in our offense. So we missed him quite a bit in that game, uh, but we knew he would be out because you got to go for the long haul. and and that stuff, but he was back today, and, and uh, he was doing really well. That was Norm Roberts speaking with the media earlier today. 
and uh, we'll share some player audio from Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris later in the show. One hour down, two to go, I guess one and a half to go. We're out today at 5.30 for Westwood One coverage, but uh, Nick Springer will join us for a couple segments upcoming, including next with our KU Mailbag. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson, and we are blessed to be joined by one Nick Springer, who is out in Des Moines, uh, getting us some audio, getting us some some live look-ins and everything from uh, KU headed into the tournament. So definitely check out our, our Twitter feed, at RCST1320. Nick's going to be uh, giving out some good stuff there on the social media feed. Uh, so, Nick, we'll have you on again later in the show. We'll talk more about the KU stuff there. But how's the weather up there? Is it is it warm? Is it cold? We heard Matt say there was snow on the ground. Yeah, it's cold. There's snow on the ground. It's, uh, it's less than ideal. It's supposed to rain tomorrow. So luckily, basketball is an indoor sport, so we shouldn't have to worry about the issues. But yeah, it's, the weather is not that great. Well, I guess it's only like 50 right now, but it doesn't. It wasn't very welcoming when we got here. I'll say that. Okay. Well, I, I didn't want to skip out on the KU mailbag without you because I, I know that would have made you sad. Um, and also, it works better when we Dude, have two been, people answering. I would have been so devastated. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, let's get into it. KU mailbag. First one is from Ian. What would be the most ideal? In parentheses, he says realistic path for KU to make a Final Four. So when he says realistic, I think he's basically saying, no, you can't just play like 12, 13, and then like a 15 seed to get there. So what what's the most ideal realistic path for you? Well, I think uh, Illinois in the second round would be more ideal than Arkansas. So Illinois in the second round. 316, realistically... Probably going to be UConn, but maybe St. Mary's. And I think St. Mary's is better, so I'll go St. Mary's. So Illinois, St. Mary's after Howard. And then in the Elite Eight, it's, it's tough because if you see UCLA or Gonzaga, there's going to be a bit of a home court advantage, shall we say, for some of those schools. But those are the really, most realistic candidates. I guess technically there's a possibility you could see PCU in the Elite Eight, right? Which would be pretty interesting uh, in Vegas. So. I'll say TCU because you've seen them before, and that would be a fun matchup, and that would get us to the final four. So I think Illinois. What did I say? Illinois, I already forgot what said. Illinois, yeah, Illinois, St. Mary's, and then St. Mary's, and then TCU. That would be my vote after Howard. So if 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 Northwestern is considered realistic at all, I think that would be the most realistic. But yeah, I think realistically, if, if you're doing it that way, it's probably one of those three with Gonzaga, UCLA, or TCU. I don't know, man. I, I don't love if, if you're playing TCU at that point in the Elite Eight, we've seen what they can do to Kansas when they're playing well. And at that point, that means to get there, they're playing well. So I don't love that. I kind of think, and I, I feel like I'm going to come back to regret this, but Gonzaga might be the answer. They don't play defense. And so KU, which sometimes has trouble offensively but is a good defense, maybe that's a matchup that they could just, like, exploit. And, yes, I have no idea how they would stop Drew Timmy. But I think Kansas would have a big advantage with some of the guards. And at the very least, we have seen KU do well against, like, other All-American-level big men because they just trap the post. And Kevin McCuller gets a bunch of steals. So maybe they could actually do okay there. Um, I think I would go with that one. If you told me UCLA still injured, like, the, the Bono guy, uh, the big man isn't back, then... Maybe that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I, I think of the Sweet 16, yeah. I think anybody but UConn is, is kind of how I'm looking at it. And then, yeah, I think you you lean Illinois. But I think regardless whether it's Arkansas or Illinois, to me, that's that's kind of a tough matchup, by the way. Uh, this one from Jordan. If you were to name your best meals to eat during spring ball, summer workouts, 
fall camp and winter conditioning, what would they be? So this uh, is, it's, I don't know if this is like under the assumption that we're participating in KU football. Okay. So what's a good spring meal? Hmm. Spring rolls. Like something like a, like a croissant sandwich. How about that? Like a chicken okay. sandwich. Like, okay. McAllister's has great croissant chicken sandwiches. I would go with that for spring. That's a good spring meal, I feel like, right? Yeah. I think sandwiches right, are just in general a good uh, – when the weather is good outdoors, you can always make a sandwich, some chips, sit outside, enjoy it. I don't know. Exactly, yeah. They're light. They're fun. Yeah. In the summer, hmm, I don't know. That's a tough one. I mean, I guess like uh, ice cream, but that's not really a meal. I don't know. What, I don't know. What, I don't even know what a good summer meal is. Um, ice cream. <laughs> well, like you know, I mean, it's it's you eat ice cream in the summer more than you would in the in the winter, right? So, but like, is there another good like you know cool meal that you would eat, like a salad? I guess. Yeah, maybe salad. You got to get the beach body going for the summer. I I think the winter, the answer's got to be like soup chili something like that yeah no i was i was definitely thinking chili in the winter like you know chili with a nice cinnamon roll for the list in the, in the midwest are you you know about that right there cinnamon rolls with chili yeah i i didn't know about it till i came here and then a few years ago even even when i went to school here i didn't know about it and then i don't know two three years ago like i found out about it and i thought it was abhorrent because i thought when, when i first heard it i i was assuming people were like dipping the cinnamon rolls in the chili that you were like legit eating them together. But then I later found out that they are just things you have together. You don't like necessarily, you know, you don't combine yeah, them. You just like eat a, them in the meal. Right. Yeah. It's like a side. It's like a side. But sure, you, don't, right. you don't, you don't put it in one and the other. Right. I mean, it's like you have one and then the other, but you have them at the same time. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know where it came from or how it started, but it's like a cultural thing. I guess. I don't know. I still think it's kind of a weird combo, but like, I love chili. I love cinnamon rolls. So, you know, whatever works for me. Uh, this one from Dylan. There you go. What local eateries are you looking forward to in Des Moines? I would suggest the High Life Lounge and Jethro's Barbecue. I heard Zombie Burger is also good, too. I've been to Zombie Burger. It's good. I think the best thing at Zombie Burger, though, is just the milkshakes, to be completely honest. Um, but you, you've been in Des Moines now not that long. I don't know if you've actually had a chance to go venture out, but or, or maybe you and I know you drove up drove up with Scott Chasen. Have you discussed anything, like, food-wise, of, of where you're going to go? Yeah, Zombie Burger is definitely on the list of places to go. In fact, might, that might be the place we go to tonight. Uh, so that's that's the big one that I've heard about that uh, that is, people have said, hey, this is the place you should go to. So definitely going to hit up there. Uh, and then after that, I guess you just kind of see what I can discover a little bit. So uh, I'm, I'm very curious about Zombie Burger just because of the name alone. Right? Like when you have, when you have a, a restaurant with such an interesting name like that, like that that draws you in, you know? Yeah, well, like I said, splurge. Get a milkshake. Good milkshakes there. They have a bunch of different flavors. Um, I I will give you two recommendations. I think you have to do one is uh, Mr. Fong's Pizza, and they're open super late at night. They're, they're kind of in the downtown area. They're they're probably not too far away from the arena. And in fact, I think it's only I don't know a couple streets away from from Zombie Burger, from what I remember. Uh, so Mr. Fong's Pizza is basically like a it's like a pizza fusion place. They, they basically specialize in fusing different types of pizza with or, or food with pizza. So, like, you can get a baked potato pizza or you can get a crab rangoon pizza, which is my favorite type, if, but you have to like the, the cream cheese and stuff like that. Um, they have, like, orange chicken pizza, uh, stuff like that, just different fusions of pizza. Highly recommend doing that. 
Uh, the other one that I would possibly recommend for, I, I, I don't know if this is going to be your guys' cup of tea, but just for people going up there, if you're looking for a spot to go hang out with uh, some people and, and maybe have a big meal with others and, and drink good beer, um, it's a place called Hessen House. It is in the downtown area. It uh, is a German beer hall. They have really, really good food. They've got a bunch of different German beers on tap. That's my favorite place in Des Moines. So those would be the ones that, that I would recommend. But Mr. Fong's is always good, especially for like a, a late night bite to eat that you can get uh, for delivery or whatnot. This one from Fred. What is your favorite first weekend game in the Bill Self era? So I think this is kind of like, uh, what's your favorite memory, I guess? Yeah, this is an interesting question because under Bill Self, Kansas has never been lower than a four seed. So normally they're playing 16, 15, 14 seeds which are generally pretty forgettable games, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. So I guess if you eliminate those games, I don't know, like the Creighton game last year was pretty interesting because Creighton was really hot from three and still were able to win the game. And I don't know. I don't even have really any first weekend memories beyond that, honestly. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess I never really thought about it that way. I never really paid attention. I mean, I don't know. What do you think there? I, I think there's some good ones you can go with here. Um, so... Let's see. You could go back to, like, I, the early portion of the Bill Self era was either they lost or they, like, blew out their first weekend opponents. I don't think it'd be, like, the first five or so years. You could go back to, like, the uh, 2000, was that 2009 team that beat Dayton, I think, in the second round, and, like, Cole Aldridge had a triple-double with blocks. That wasn't a great game or anything, but that's certainly a cool moment. Also, I think Sharon Collins going back and forth with, Oh, what was the name of that North Dakota State guard? I, f I forget, and they were just going for, like, off with each other. That was kind of a fun moment. Um, I think the 2012 game against Purdue would be the answer for a lot of people here. It's it's one of those games that you look back on and you have fond memories because you won a close game and you had this crazy comeback and made these crazy late plays. But in the moment, you probably hated it. It was excruciating. It was painful. You thought you were going to get upset by Robbie Hummel, but that certainly would go up there. Uh, what else would be up there? I'm trying to think. Uh, 20, 2018 against Seton Hall definitely sticks out in my mind because Yudoka Azubuki was injured and he could only give you a few minutes in the game. And then, like, Mitch Lightfoot had to start the game and Angel Delgado had, like, 20 points and, like, 25 rebounds. Something ridiculous. Uh, Malik Newman and KU just went off. But then that Kadeem Carrington guy started just hitting every three at the end of the game, but you held on. That one, I think, would certainly go up there. I think 2017, too. Uh, honestly, I think, I don't know, 2017 might be the one for me. You're playing Michigan State. Anytime you play Michigan State in the tournament, it starts to get your radar up of, like, oh, no, is, is this going to be, like, that time with Michigan State? And um, it, was, it was, I think, a tie game with, like, 10 minutes to go. And then KU just pulled away. And as that team could do, they were just, like, an avalanche when they got it going. And they ended up winning by, like, 20. And that was the game that, like, Frank Mason, like, Dared down Miles Bridges like they got face to face with each other. Uh, that was a fun one. And Josh Jackson, he's from like Michigan, and he ended up going to KU over Michigan State and Arizona. Like that was a fun one. That's probably it for me. I think, like you said last year uh, against Creighton, that certainly sticks out also because you had to win a uh, a very tight game. Uh, this one from Lincoln: If Bill Self can't coach this week, should we almost expect a first weekend loss? Okay. No, this is stupid and a major overreaction. Like, yes, you've got a great guy. Uh, that, that is someone who has been the main reason why you've been so good for so long. But 
No, that, this is a significant overreaction. You're playing, first of all, you're playing a 16 seed in Howard. You should win that. And even in the 8-9 matchup, like, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a tough matchup, whether it's Arkansas or Illinois, but to suggest that it, we, it should be expected to lose in the first game because of that, I think is a major overreaction. Kansas could easily get through. And, in fact, with Norm Roberts, they've won against some, some tougher competition. They made it to the Big 12 title game at the Big 12 tournament. So I think this is a major overreaction. No need, no reason to expect a loss without Bill Self. Now, I think if you change the question and say if Kevin McCuller was out for the weekend, should we expect the first weekend loss? I could maybe get more on board with that. But, no, I think KU without Bill Self can easily get to the first weekend and head of the season. Yeah, I, I definitely think it, it has to impact something. Like if you're saying, oh, the odds are, I don't know, 60% that you make it through. Does it go down to 55% or whatever it is? Like, sure, it, it negatively impacts it. But does it mean we should expect them to lose? No, they're, they're still going to be favored to win both games. Uh, I know you brought up the stat yesterday that uh, they might only be three-and-a-half-point favorites over Arkansas. Without Bill Self, maybe it's only like two-point favorites. But at that point, you're still favored in that game. And who knows? Maybe Arkansas loses to Illinois. But yeah, like you said, uh, they did well with Norm Roberts. Uh, they're 6-1 and one with him as the head coach. The only loss is a team that's a two-seed. I know there's the sour taste in your mouth because they got blown out in such game. But think about it this way. Of, of those six games they won, sure, a couple of them were against lesser opponents with, like, Southern Utah and stuff. But with Norm Roberts, they beat Iowa State, who's a six seed, which, by my count, is a better seed than an eight or nine, and they beat them by double digits. They beat West Virginia by double digits. That's a nine seed, so there you go. That's what you could be basically playing in the second round. And you beat Duke earlier in the season, who's a five seed. So that's equivalent to a Sweet 16 game. And there's also the other fact of this where – when Bill Self was suspended for the first four games of the season, he wasn't able to do anything with the team on game day. When he was, I guess, at KU Med or in the hospital last week for the Big 12 tournament, he wasn't probably doing anything for KU from a scouting perspective or with KU on game day, basically, outside of maybe just like calling and checking in and, and whatever, right? Now that even if he can't actually coach, he's there, he's helping them in certain ways at practice to where you're still getting like a slight Bill Self factor in there, at least some like pregame Bill Self factor. You don't have the same in-game Bill Self where he's calling amazing out-of-bounds plays, but Norm Roberts is still good at that stuff too, just maybe not as good as Bill Self. So you st you should not expect them to have a first weekend loss. It lowers the odds, but it, it still is not to a point where you should be like overly worried. I do agree with you. I think like in, in a in a macro standpoint, Bill Self has a bigger impact on KU and as a program than Kevin McCuller does. But for the NCAA tournament in this weekend, yeah, it is Kevin McCuller because this team's not very deep. So the fact that, that he's back, and I guess Grady was dealing with a back injury, but he's okay. Like, those are those are both the bigger signs there. This one from Miguel. Am I the only one that likes the 1920 Jayhawk? Very little to no merch slash uniforms featuring my fave Jayhawk. Uh, for Out of reference, the 1920 Jayhawk is the one that some people call the Crowhawk. Yeah, I think the issue here with the 1920 Jayhawk, and there probably are some people that like it. The issue with it, though, is that it doesn't look like a Jayhawk, or it doesn't specifically look like a Jayhawk, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. like it looks like it could be like a Cardinal, or it could be some other type of bird, whereas the Jayhawk, obviously, on its own, is that's what makes it unique, is that it's a Jayhawk and the, you know, whatever, right? So I, my guess would be that's why you don't see it as much uh, in version uniforms, just because, it's, to me, it's not as cut and dry as if you were to look at that. And obviously it has the KU aspect of it, which I guess for the sake of this argument, we can include that as part of the, the logo. But it just doesn't have the same 
appeal, the same pop, you know, and it doesn't have the the same, you know exactly what it is when you look at it, that, uh, that some of the other jazz plugins have. So that would be my guess as to why it's, uh, it's not as prominently featured in terms of, like, uniforms and merch and stuff, but I don't have any problem with it. I mean, if, if, if it's a fine logo. I, just, I think it doesn't do enough for me from a Jayhawk standpoint that, like, jumps out. Like, it, you could, it could be easily misconstrued as, like, some other logo or some other bird. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, it, it looks like the classic, like, uh, any of, like, the MLB teams who use a bird, like a Blue Jay or a Cardinal or something like that. You're, I think you're yeah. right when you say yeah. it doesn't pop. Like, it doesn't have that intrinsic difference i do actually it has grown on me for a while i i did not like the logo at all but recently it's kind of grown on me under the idea of certain uses i think it'd be cool on like a ku baseball uniform or ku baseball hat to that same notion of when you compare to maybe some other logos so i don't i don't love it but um i i think the problem is there are so many other good ku logos like i don't necessarily know that it's a bad logo although the bird does look like it kind of has pink eye but like when you look at the yeah, other, if you zoom in on the eye, yeah, if you zoom in on the eye, it does look a little weird. Yeah, uh, but when you look at all the other KU logos, they're so great. Like the the Warhawk or the nineteen twelve logo or the current, uh, they're such great logos that it's it's less about the nineteen twenty logo not being great. It's just that there's so many great options to choose from. You know, it's like you go to a steakhouse and it's like, well, do I want lobster? Do I want steak? They got crab here. They got you know whatever. There's just so many good options. So. um I'm not a huge fan of it, but it is growing on me. I haven't heard many other people say it's their favorite one, though. So, props to you, Miguel, for uh, being an, uh, a pioneer in that in that regard. Well, that'll do it for this KU mailbag. Nick, appreciate you hopping on. You're going to join us as well coming up at 5:05 to kind of talk more about what's going on in Des Moines, what's going on with the team here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. So, uh, we'll talk to you later, man. All right, thanks. All right, that was Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. KU mailbag done. Let's get to more NCAA tournament preview. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Man, Derek Johnson with you here on this episode of RCST. Nick will be back with us coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Let's get to our uh, official bracket preview, I guess. So we're going to go through the south and the east region here in this segment. Then we'll go through the Midwest and the west, which is the right side of the bracket in our next one. So uh, first up, we'll start in the South, going to the top left. Don't really need to spend a lot of time on Alabama, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. Uh, you get that one. Maryland and West Virginia is a really interesting matchup. So Maryland is a team that kind of punked Purdue a few weeks ago. They're just kind of solid on both ends of the floor. They've got the new head coach with Kevin Will Willard coming over from Seton Hall, who I don't think he ever made a second weekend, but he, he had some success, maybe winning first-round games. Meanwhile, for West Virginia... They, they've been a really good offense this season. Don't have as good of a defense as maybe you're used to, but this is kind of an, an old Big East uh, type of battle here. So West Virginia and Seton Hall, or, or I'm sorry, Maryland, this is uh, number 17 versus number 23 in Ken Palm. That's closer to being like a a four versus a six or a five versus six seed than it is an eight, nine. Should be a really good matchup. And that's actually what kicks things off in tomorrow's action in the morning. I'm really excited for that one. Um, I like West Virginia to move on, but Maryland has a really good guard in uh, the Jameer Young kid that that should make it interesting. But I really like what Kedrian Johnson has been able to do for West Virginia. You go to the 5-12, I, I, I think Charleston's a really good team. You win 31 games for a reason, but 
I don't love this matchup for them. They're a team that likes to um, get up and down tempo-wise. They're 29th in the country in tempo, and they have kind of a balanced scoring effort. They don't really have, like, one guy who kind of just, you know, that one guard who's going to be able to get you 20 points, and I think that's going to hurt you a little more against the San Diego State defense that is top 10 in the country that likes to slow it down, but that's going to clearly be the matchup. Will the balanced scoring and effort of Charleston overcome the San Diego State defense? Will San Diego State struggle scoring the basketball? We saw them kind of blow that game last year against Creighton in the first round. Uh, we'll see how they do this time. The 413 matchup, I, I think to me, is the one that I really go to in this region. I really like Furman to at least win this game and maybe win both times. Um, Virginia is kind of overseeded to what they are in Ken Palm. They're 75th in the country in offense, 34th overall. The defense is good, but we're used to seeing Virginia when they're good being in like the top five on defense in the country. They're only 24th. So like this isn't, you know, an absolutely dominant team. Furman, meanwhile, I believe this is their first NCAA tournament appearance. Sometimes the stories and the, I don't know, like you had a couple years ago, like Northwestern making their first, and then they win this dramatic, crazy game. I don't know if if that would be the case here, but um, I like that storyline with Furman that it's the extra motivation, and they're good on offense. Like the defense isn't great, but Furman is 33rd in the country offensively. And if you can put up points against a Virginia pack line defense by shooting the ball from the outside, which they take a lot of threes, they're 13th in the country in the amount of shots they take from three. Now, they shoot them at 34.4%, which doesn't sound great. That's 159th in the country. But when you're shooting them at that high volume, it's a math game. And then they're also number one in the country in two-point offense. They don't turn the ball over. If you can score a bit on Virginia, I don't know that they can keep pace, even though you don't have the best defense in the world. So uh, that's kind of what I'm eyeing there. I think at the bottom half of the bracket, Certainly, um, NC State is a team that's interesting to me because of the fact that we always talk about guard play winning in March, and we saw NC State up close and personal when they played KU. They're not a good defensive team, but they can score it in a hurry. They're kind of like a a Baylor light, if you think about it, like Traquavion Smith, Jarkel Joyner, and Casey Morsell. All three of those guards, undersized, they can score it, they can get it off the bounce, they can shoot it from three. It's just the defense you don't totally trust, and I, I think that NC State can win this first-round game. I think NC State could even beat Baylor because they would be kind of similar there in that situation. But I like Creighton to make a deep run in this thing. They've been a team that, you know, kind of got set back earlier on in the season. Uh, they had the injuries to their their center, Kalkbrenner. But overall in the year, they're ranked 13th on Ken Palm. They're 27th on offense, 16th on defense. And if you take out when they were, I think, 0-4 without Kalkbrenner, they'd be 21-8 and on the season, and the numbers would be a lot better for them, but they have been kind of inconsistent this year. I just, I, I like them back with Kalkbrenner that they can protect the rim. They've got a bunch of guards around them that can either defend or shoot the three ball on the outside or can facilitate. And I think because of that, they're going to be able to get by NC State. And then I look at them as a more complete team than maybe Baylor, where I don't totally trust the defense. I kind of like Creighton to make a deep run, but again, I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if NC State kind of nabs them. Uh, Baylor, I guess, is kind of a boomer bust team as well, right? They they score a lot of points. They have those really good guards, but also because of the defense, you could convince me they lose in the first round to UCSB. You could convince me they make a run all the way to the Elite Eight. It's, it's kind of up in the air there. Uh, when you go further down, the Missouri-Utah State should be a really fun matchup. Missouri, we know, likes to press, play at a faster tempo. 
They have a really good offense. The defense overall, though, isn't great. And what Utah State does well, they can dice you up offensively. 13th in the country in offensive efficiency. They don't really turn the ball over a ton. They shoot it really, really well from three. And they are 10th in the country in the amount of their field goals that are made off assists, which means they pass the ball well. That could be a problem for Missouri. Arizona. This is uh, the theme of the South. You have offensive teams that don't play great defense. West Virginia would classify there. Uh, uh, NC State, Baylor, Missouri, Utah State, Arizona, and a lot of it's in the bottom half. Alabama low-key actually has the third-best defense in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. And then you do have the, the San Diego State-Virginia part of it. But um, the bottom half, it is going to be ruled kind of by that offense. So if you are just looking at who's the best defense of the bottom half, Creighton would be your answer there. Uh, but Arizona has... It's not been like an awful defense. They're 41st, but it, it is enough that it could hold them back. Um, they like to play up-tempo, ninth in the country there. They play the two big basketballs. So if you have a team that can spread them out and maybe stretch the floor a little, that could be their issue, especially against that defense, which would be interesting if they play Missouri for that reason with Kobe Brown as a big man. But I think Utah State could get through them. So th there's where all the matchups kind of head in. But clearly, you're going to get like one of these teams from the South, unless it's Creighton that's playing in an Elite Eight, chance to make the Final Four that has a really good offense but doesn't have a great defense, which certainly makes uh, that side of things interesting. If you're asking for my picks specifically, I actually have um, San Diego State making their way to the Elite Eight. I have San Diego State upsetting Alabama in the Sweet 16 because they like to slow it down, play defense. Alabama wants to speed it up a little bit, and I think that could cause them problems. It's easier to slow things down than speed things up. On the bottom end of the bracket, um, I have Arizona getting by Creighton in the Sweet 16, and then I have uh, Arizona taking on uh, San Diego State in the Elite Eight, and I have Arizona moving on to the Final Four. In the east side of the bracket, again, don't really need to go super in-depth with the 116 matchup. Uh, there is a little bit of love here for me for Vermont against Marquette. Vermont's been in the tournament a lot. They're experienced. They play the four guards. I do think Marquette will move on. Tyler Kolek, their guard, is really, really good. Um, but I, that is kind of interesting, 215 for me. Uh, the Memphis-FAU game is tough for me because Florida Atlantic was a team that I really like. They're 22nd in Ken Palm, 31st on offense, 35th on defense. They're very balanced. They they play at a, a slightly faster tempo. They shoot it well from three. They shoot it well from two. They don't turn the ball over. Defensively, they defend the interior really, really well. They turn you over. This is just a really solid team for FAU. But I don't love their playing Memphis, who's a very hot team. Memphis is 19th on Ken Palm. They've got the athlete. They've got the point guard play with Kendrick Davis. They just beat Houston in the AAC title. I could see Memphis making a run. I could also see Memphis losing in the first round. Like, to me, I... I I actually picked Memphis to upset Purdue in the second round. But if you told me they lost to FAU, I wouldn't be shocked either. And I think that's the same thing for Duke. Duke and Memphis are both those teams that are hot right now. And a lot of times we see those teams who win their conference tournament and are hot. They either lose in the first round or they make a deep run and capitalize off that. I think one of Duke or Memphis for me could be the final four team here. And the other is going to lose in the first round because both have tough first round matchups. Memphis taking on FAU. Duke taking on Oral Roberts. The thing with Oral Roberts is what makes them different this year than the, the team that made the Sweet 16 a couple years ago. They're still lethal on offense. They still have Max Acemas. They also have this time Isaac McBride, former Kansas player who puts up numbers for them. But it's like they have Connor Vanover. He is a seven foot four center, 
and it has allowed Oral Roberts to, you know, they're not great defense, but it's allowed them to at least be good at a couple things on defense. 37th in the country in two-point defense, 13th in the country in block rate. The problem is with Duke, if they get him in foul trouble because they have a litany of big men, that's where Oral Roberts just doesn't have the depth of other centers. Their backup centers are 6-7, and then they'll just get bullied on the board. So that's kind of how I see it going, is that Duke gets Vanover in foul trouble, and then all of a sudden they're in a problem where they don't have the size to compete, and that's why Duke advances. I think Louisiana could beat Tennessee, but Tennessee I don't really view as a long-term threat without Ziegler, and also it would just be the classic Rick Barnes. Also, they can't really score consistently on offense. So I have I have Duke playing Memphis in the Sweet 16. I have Duke moving on to the Elite Eight. Um, in the bottom end of the bracket, Kentucky-Providence is fun. You have Bryson Hopkins, who uh, is a former Kentucky player, transferred to Providence. He's been really good for them. The problem, though, for me is Providence isn't like a super pick-and-roll heavy team, and that's the issue for Kentucky's defense, defending pick-and-rolls. So I, I have Kentucky moving on. It wouldn't be crazy if Providence won, but then where I have Kentucky running into an issue is every game after that. What do we know about Kansas State with Marquise Noel? They are so good on pick-and-roll, and having that point guard could dice them up. So I have Kansas State going to the Sweet 16. Even if Kentucky got by that, then you'd probably be playing Marquette, who runs a lot of pick and roll, or Michigan State possibly, who runs a lot of pick and roll. Um, this would open things up if if it's Michigan State. It feels like the the allure of the Tom Izzo March run has faded the past couple of years. So does that mean he is due for another crazy run here? It very well could. I don't have a lot of thoughts on that game against USC, but I, I have Marquette and Kansas State in the Sweet 16, which would be one of the best point guard matchups in the country with Kolek versus Noel. I have Marquette moving on, and then I have Duke beating Marquette in the Elite Eight. So I have Duke taking on uh, Arizona, and then I have Arizona taking down Duke in the Final Four down in Houston to play uh, for the title. So that's my picks, but uh, certainly if you're going by which first-round matchup I'm most interested in in terms of just the best game, I think for me in the South region, it's going to be Creighton-NC State. If you're putting a team most on upset alert, it is Furman over Virginia. In the East, the game I'm most excited for in the first round is, I don't know, either Memphis-FAU or Oral Roberts versus Duke. And the team I'm putting on most upset alert in the first round is going to have to be uh, Tennessee. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Then we'll discuss the Midwest and West regions here, what I have in my bracket. This is RCST on KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. About a quarter till five, we'll be joined by Nick Springer coming up at five o'clock to talk a little KU basketball, get an update, what's going on over at Des Moines, and get to a little Rock Chalk Pickahawk. We've also got some more audio to get to later in the show from Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris. We are out at 5.30 for pregame coverage, Westwood One coverage of the first four, Texas Southern, Fairleigh Dickinson, followed by Arizona State, Nevada. Tomorrow, we got all sorts of Westwood One coverage, and uh, we'll have the KU game pregame 11.30 tip-off at 1 o'clock. All right, on to the Midwest and West side of the bracket. So we'll start in the Midwest in the top right. Uh, Houston should be able to deal with Northern Kentucky pretty easily, although I just saw that Marcus Sasser is questionable, but Houston is a pretty deep team. Um, if you like unders, by the way, I, I don't know what the over-under is going to be, but I feel like it's going to be low. That might be a good one to take. So Northern Kentucky is only 218th on on offense. They're 121st on defense, but they are just 358th is Northern Kentucky in the country in pace or tempo, I guess. Houston, meanwhile, is 344th in the country in tempo. 
They're also fourth on defense. That could be a very ugly, low-scoring game. As far as the 8-9 matchup, Iowa and Auburn. Um, with Auburn, they had the short ride last year. They've got sporadic guards who can get going in a hurry, but also will make a lot of head-scratching plays and have a lot of inconsistencies. They're pretty good on defense. They've got the head coach and Bruce Pearl, who has gone on some long runs in March. Iowa, meanwhile, is third in the country in offense, but they can't defend a lick. 166th in the country defensively. It's the ultimate 8-9 toss-up game, but honestly, I don't think either team really challenges Houston because Auburn, their guards are just too inconsistent. And with Iowa, they won't be able to defend them at all, and, and Houston will at least be able to defend them a little bit, even though they have a uh, great uh, offense. The 5-12, 4-13 are very interesting in this bracket. Miami could be without one of their big men here, but they've got really good guards. They went on that long run last year. They're experienced with Isaiah Wong. They added Nigel Pack from Kansas State. They are dangerous. They are the type of team that if they get hot, they could go on a deep run in March because of that guard play. But I actually like Drake here. So Miami's 12th in offense. They're just 131st on defense. Drake is a more balanced team. Drake is 46th on defense, but they do a lot of things well. They are 63rd in the country in two-point rate defense, 36th in three-point defense, third in defensive rebounding rate. And offensively, you might look and go, oh, they're only 99th in the country. But again, they do things well. They just don't really get to the free throw line and don't go for extra offensive rebounds. Instead, they bring numbers back. So that lowers the numbers a little bit, but they're 95th in the country in two-point rate, 45th in three-point rate. They shoot free throws well. They don't get the ball stolen from them. They don't turn it over. They are just efficient. I really like Drake to make a deep run in this tournament and to make a second weekend. I like them to get by Miami. As far as the Indiana-Kent State game, that's a toss-up to me. Um, it, certainly for Indiana, I, I kind of think they're going to win because you know they lost in the first round last year. They bring all these guys back. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, just such a matchup nightmare inside. But Kent State's a solid team. Uh, they, they defend very well. They've got some good guards that can get them buckets late in games. But I'm leaning Indiana, but then you uh, would potentially have uh, – if you get Indiana to a Sweet 16 against Houston, you would have the Kelvin Sampson against his former team with Indiana. But I am going to go with Drake to get through there against Houston. As far as the bottom side of the Midwest, Iowa State, we know, will now be taking on Pittsburgh. I thought that Mississippi State would have been a tougher matchup in terms of going further in the tournament just because Mississippi State is a good defensive team that maybe they got hot shooting the ball, even though their offense is not very good. Pittsburgh's the opposite. They can't really defend 131st in the 135th in the country in defensive uh, efficiency, but they're 24th in offense. They're without their center last night. I don't know what his status is moving forward, but Iowa State defends really well. They can't play offense, so it's it's literally the complete switch. But I guess it's kind of similar to what they just played with Mississippi State, who is sixth on defense, 173rd on offense. The difference, though, is Iowa State's defense is still right at that range, but their offense is still top 100, which is sizable difference to Mississippi State. So I do like Iowa State to get through there. But keep in mind, a first four winner wins like every year, at least in the first round. So could it be that one? Could it be the one against TCU? If you're making me pick between the two, I have TCU going on a longer run. So I would pick against Iowa State here, but I do think they can get through. Xavier also doesn't really defend, but they play good offense. Kennesaw State um, has kind of an athletic wing heavy team. I, I don't know. I kind of like Kennesaw State, but uh, I think if Iowa State does face Xavier here, it's a tough matchup for Xavier because of the fact that they're going to get it slowed down against Iowa State and the defense gets into them. If Xavier, though, plays Pitt, I think they could win that one in a high-scoring game that's very entertaining. Then you have Texas A&M, Penn State, which to me 
is unfortunate. It's a first-round matchup because I would have liked both these teams to advance. I like both teams. Uh, with Penn State, they've got the guard play of Jalen Pickett. Texas A&M has kind of a balanced attack and approach. They play really hard physically with Buzz Williams. They rebound the ball really well. Uh, one thing I'm a little worried about, though, with Texas A&M, some of their statistic profiles remind me a little of some of the West Virginia teams with Bob Huggins in the mid-2000s like 2000s with like Devin Williams, the guy who wore the goggles, that they were really good at getting rebounds. They forced turnovers, but they didn't really do a lot else well. And a lot of those teams lost early. Like There was the one that lost to Stephen F. Austin in the first round. When you look at Texas A&M, they're sixth in the country in offensive rebound rate. They're 42nd in the country in turnover rate defensively, but they don't defensive rebound well. They don't shoot well from two. They don't shoot well from three. I'm kind of fading them. I'm going with uh, Penn State for this one. And then Texas over Colgate. Colgate shoots really well from three, but we've seen them just get outmatched in recent tournaments, even when they make it, and just get out-athleted. I think there was even a game against Alabama, or maybe it was Arkansas, where they got up like 10, 15 points because they are making every shot, and then all of a sudden... They missed a couple shots, and you saw the athleticism difference in transition, and quickly the lead was gone. So I expect that to kind of be the case in this one with Texas. Uh, moving forward down the rounds, I, I said I like Houston and Drake, but Houston moving on to the Elite Eight. I think Texas gets through whichever it is with Xavier, Iowa State, whoever, and I'm kind of setting up the 1-2 matchup here in the Midwest. Um, I have Houston getting through. I think they're kind of similar teams. They have uh, – you know, a solid seven or eight man rotation, athletic guards who can both get India and guard and also hit you tough buckets. I just think Houston is kind of the better version of what Texas is. So I'm going to go Houston to the final four there to join Arizona and Duke. And then uh, onto the West region, Kansas should be able to get by Howard without ease. Obviously, if they don't, that is uh, problematic for many reasons, but uh, Arkansas-Illinois is certainly a fun matchup. I think Arkansas gets through with a little bit more talent there and speeding up the game. Uh, Eric Musselman has had more success in the NCAA tournament than Brad Underwood. Musselman's been to back-to-back Elite Eights with Arkansas. He also had that Sweet 16 run in 2018 with Nevada. Meanwhile, Brad Underwood has never made a second weekend. Maybe that means he's due a little bit because he's had some good teams that maybe ran into bad matchups with the Illinois team that, that played Houston in the second round last year and uh, the year before that, they played a really good Loyola-Chicago team who's under as like an 8 or a 9 seed, but uh, we'll see on that. The 5-12 matchup, VCU is going to try to speed up their, uh, the, with, the, with the defense specifically. They're not uh, an overly fast team, but against St. Mary's here, they're 6th in the country in turnover rate defensively, 11th in the country in steal rate. And when you look at St. Mary's, they're going to want to play a slower-paced game uh, they play really good defense. They're they're eighth in the country defensively, 39th on offense. But they're a team that likes to slow it down, and they've done a good job avoiding turnovers because they play at a slow pace. They're just seventh. They're seventh in the country in avoiding getting the ball stolen from them offensively. But what happens if you have to play at a different pace than you're used to? And it is easier to slow it down than speed it up. But pressing makes it kind of difficult where you start worrying about things. So I'll be very interested in if they can uh, kind of avoid this the the upset there. Um, the UConn-Iona game, I expect Connecticut to win. They're kind of a analytics darling. But hey, Rick Pitino with Iona, you never know. It's, it's a team that um, is going to try to mess with some of the UConn guards. Uh, the problem is for Iona, like, do they have enough size inside? But they do have a seven-footer in Osborne Sherma. Um, I guess they have another seven-footer as a backup with Silas Sunday and another 6'9 guy who plays kind of the 4'5". So pretty good size there. They recruit at a much better than a mid-major level because of Rick Pitino. 
Um, I just I I don't love them to, to come up with the victory there, but I mean, I think they could probably keep it close. They are on a roll right now. The Arizona State Nevada game is going to be interesting tonight. Nevada, um, I think if you're TCU, you'd rather play them than Arizona State, who has some guards who can go off. But I kind of like TCU to make a deep run. Mike Miles, you have the guard play. Even without the big man of Lampkin, he wasn't having like it maybe as good of a year as you would have thought coming in. I still think Xavier Cork is a good backup big man. The problem is what's going to be the issue if you have to play beyond that? Well, Jacoby Coles might play some five. Emmanuel Miller might play some five. It's a bit undersized, but in certain matchups, it might help them. Now, if they play Gonzaga in the second round, how do you stop Drew Timmy? I don't know, but I don't know how Gonzaga stops everyone else on TCU, especially in their transition game. So that's going to be a key there. We saw KU go far last year, win the tournament with a great transition game, which TCU has this season. Uh, Northwestern and Boise State should be a really good first round matchup. And, you know, the winner is going to play a possibly beat up UCLA team that like neither of those teams is sexy that I don't think a lot of people are picking Northwestern or Boise. But keep in mind, both teams have really good guard play. And if UCLA is banged up, that would be one of those those picks that usually there's like one seven seed or eight seed that like everybody picks every year. Like sometimes it'll be like a Wichita State or last year. I think it was like. It was like some people were picking Murray State as the seven to beat the two seed Kentucky. There's always a popular one. And it, it usually that team plays really close, but then they end up losing. This could be one that's not on a lot of pe- people's radars that wouldn't totally shock me. Boo Booey is a really good player for Northwestern. So I, I have, as far as the West going, um, I have Connecticut getting to an Elite Eight. I have them facing off against UCLA. I have TCU upsetting Gonzaga. And then I have UCLA getting by TCU because I figure by next week, if UCLA can make it through, that they'll get a little healthier and then they can get through TCU. And then I think UCLA gets through Connecticut. So I have Arizona beating Duke on the left end of the bracket. On the right end of the bracket, I have Houston beating UCLA. And then I have Houston playing Arizona in Houston. I have Houston winning the title. We did our narrowing down of the bracket. Earlier this week, we came up with Houston and Purdue as part of the part of the really strict one that we did. I don't trust Purdue. I have them losing in the second round, but I do trust Houston. I think they have a really good coach in Kelvin Sampson. I think they're about as talented as any team in the country. They're seven or eight deep where they can withstand a, a couple things happening against them. They play such good defense. They've got the guard play with Marcus Sasser. Even if he's injured, Jamal Shedd was so good in the tournament last year. Traymon Mark and Terrence Arsenault are solid. Uh, they've got the first-round draft pick talent with a guy like Jarris Walker. It's kind of this undersized five matchup problem for them. That's who my uh, title pick is going to be into the uh, NCAA tournament. So, uh, good chance that my bracket sucks. And, uh, by the way, if you wanted to know, I had my dog finish her bracket pick last night. If you were curious, she has, um, let's see, I want to... College of Charleston she had in the Elite Eight. That was pretty crazy as a 12 seed. She has uh, Northwestern coming out of the Final Four in the West. She has, oh gosh, who was it? Uh, Arizona coming out of the South. She has Kansas State coming out of the East. And then I want to say Xavier was coming out of the Midwest. And then uh, she has, I think, Arizona winning the title over Xavier. So uh, probably take my dog's picks more than mine because it'll probably end up doing better. All right. Two hours down, half an hour to go. We're going to be joined by Nick Springer in our next segment. Catch up on uh, the vibes over in 
Des Moines, what's going on over there, what's the latest with Bill Self, Kevin McCuller, and get to a little Rock Chalk Pickhawk. We'll finish up with some player audio after that. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. I guess I spoiled the lead there. Nick is back with us here to uh, start the five o'clock hour out in Des Moines. I guess first things first. Um, obviously, there is a lot going on, maybe more than normal with the media type of stuff for KU this year with the tournament because of the availability of Kevin McCuller and, and Bill Self and everything. What What's just kind of the vibe down there in Des Moines? Is it is it feel like there is a level of excitement for the tournament? Is there, I don't know, pessimism, optimism around KU? Just take me through what what's kind of the overall environment and vibe kind of like out there. Yeah, I think from a fan perspective, the, the there's still a lot of optimism. In fact, uh, for their open practices, the different teams are doing open practices earlier today, and Kansas by far had the loudest ovation, and there was a pretty strong crowd of people. And uh, they were really excited for KU when they took the floor for the open practice, which was really cool. And, and even after the practice, there were tons of fans coming down trying to get the attention of the players and whatnot. And so I think from a fan perspective, there definitely is still some optimism and still some excitement around the start of, of the NCAA tournament, and specifically for Kansas and Des Moines. So that was really cool to see. You know, they got a big cheer when they came out. There was a big cheers when uh, the guys were hitting some half-court shots at the end of the practice. And so I think that that – there's definitely some strong vibes from there. In terms of everything else, the, the status of Bill Self, I think, is the big one where it seems kind of up in the air. It was initially supposed to be Self to speak today with the media. Then they switched it to Norm Roberts and Norm Roberts basically said, hey, you know, Bill Self was coaching and actually did coach a practice last night and this morning also and was hard on the guys uh, and was the same old Bill Self as always. But also, you know, he's still recuperating sort of and, and uh, he kept he kept saying day to day, using day to day as a phrase to to, to determine uh, what the social status felt. So that, that I think is uh, brings up some, some cautious concern, certainly. But you know, at, at the end of the day, you're, you're playing Howard, which uh, is a team that you shouldn't need to build self to coach to win. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Self is not able to coach uh, in the game against Howard. And then I guess we'll see for Saturday's game potentially, but. But, yeah, that, that definitely kind of has been a cloud a little bit over some of the other atmosphere, I think, around, around the team. But, but, yeah, I mean, there's still – everybody's still optimistic, I think, within the team. Uh, Kevin McCuller, it, it seems like he's pretty much back to being fully healthy now. That's what Norm Roberts, Norm Roberts basically said. So that's a good sign for Kansas. Grady Dick, I think, had a, a little bit of a back injury, but he seems good to go as well. So in terms of a health standpoint from the players, everything seems pretty much good for, for KU. So I think they're feeling pretty good about that. But certainly the Bill Self question is, is the biggest one for the time being. But again, I don't I don't think it's a situation where Kansas can't overcome not having Bill Self for the first weekend, right? So if it is out of an abundance of caution that, hey, Bill Self needs to take it easy a little bit longer, I think KU's okay with doing that, at least for this first game, and for Saturday's game we'll see. But We've talked about it before. You, you figure Bill Self wants to get out there. You figure he wants to be a guy that can help his team, you know, from the sidelines. So if he is able, and the fact that he's, you know, coaching a practice, I think would indicate that he's very, very close to being ready to return either tomorrow or on Saturday. So that's a, that's certainly a positive. But yeah, I think my biggest takeaway was just from the fans, man. I mean, there was a pretty strong crowd for the open practice, and they were really lively and really animated and really excited to see KU. So. That's a great sign. I think KU's going to have a pretty strong uh, fan 
contingency for the weekend, which is nice to see. So hopefully that can help them out as well. But, but yeah, I mean, I think the vibes right now are pretty good. So I think, uh, and I also, I also get the sense that these guys are just ready to play. I mean, it's, it's one of the things where there's the adrenaline, there's the adrenaline of selection Sunday. Yeah. You had a bit of a letdown, I guess, by being seated below Houston, but it, it seems like everyone's pretty much passed that at this point. And now you're sort of refocused back in on, let's just get out and play. Let's just go play the game. And uh, as, as you were watching open practice, Kevin looked totally fine, looked totally healthy. Everybody looked totally healthy on the floor. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the deal with open practices is that they're they're open for a reason in the sense that it was kind of just a lot of shooter shoot arounds, right? So it wasn't like you really got to see a high stress or high pressure situation for some of those guys in practice. But yeah, every, he seemed fine. He seemed to, in high spirits. He was smiling after the practice. And so that's a really positive time. So I, I think uh, I think his status is pretty much cleared up for the game, which is nice to see. So uh, yeah, I would say overall my takeaway from the open practice was everybody's looking pretty good. Okay, well, we do have to do a rock chalk pick a hawk uh, before we get to the weekend. So re- to recap yep. what, what we decided here, you have the advantage. You won the Big 12 tournament after we, we I guess, shared the, the regular season title. And your advantage for doing that is you get the first pick in every round. So you're going to pick one, I'll pick two. Then you'll pick three, I'll pick four, right? So you, that'll be your advantage coming into this thing. Now, as far as, as the picks go, um, do you want to do five rounds or six rounds for this? I think we should probably do five. Okay. What do you think? Doing five? I, I'm thinking five, but there's a part of me that thinks six because it's going to be cumulative for two games. But I guess in the NCAA tournament, the rotation is shorter. Well, so, yeah, five makes do, more sense. Uh, okay, so are we going to do the same thing we do with the Big 12 where we're going to pick a player from Howard and then we're going to pick one player from Illinois and one player from Arkansas. Correct. So when you take your player from okay. the other team, you will take one from each team so that you'll have the first round game and then you'll have whoever it would be for the uh, second round game unless okay, you were to be upset tomorrow. Yes. Yes. And uh, just a reminder on the scoring, you get a point for every point they score. You lose two for assists, or I'm sorry, you gain two for assists and rebounds. You get three points for steals and blocks. You lose a point for every shot that you miss. You lose two for turnovers. You lose one for fouls. You lose an additional three for fouling out. So, um, I guess with that being said, you now have the first pick. Who would you like? And why is it Jalen Wilson? Uh, well, you stole my thunder a little bit there. Yeah, it's going to be Dewan Harris. No, actually, I'm going to take Jalen Wilson first of all. Uh, he's just, he just kills the statue, right? And you figure if Kansas is going to make a run of the tournament, he is going to get a lot of points and a lot of rebounds, which does well in Pickahawk. So, yes, I will be going with, uh, with Jalen Wilson. Okay. Um, so here's where the draft always gets interesting. And, oh, man, I don't know. With the, the other starters, there's so many options here. So, Kevin, you said he looked good and everything. And I, I, could, I expect him to start based on the comments made by Norm and, and, and everybody. But also, being that it's the Howard game, I guess we're doing this for cumulative, so it could be both. I, I still, there is the worry, though, about, like, what if he retweaks it? So I, I don't know that I'm going to do Kevin. I could do Dewan. Do KJ. I think KJ has favorable first matchup, but don't necessarily know about the second matchup. And then, uh, gosh, I guess I could do Grady Dick and, and expect him to have a big week, but he's a freshman, and, and I don't know how he's going to do in an event like this. I am going to take Dewan Harris. Okay, going with Dewan. Yep. All right, so this leaves 
uh, kind of what you were just talking about, a very interesting pick for myself here because I could also go with Kevin or I could go with Brady. So the issue with Brady is that he is up and down. And the thing with Kevin, though, is the health. Is If he ends up not playing that much, then obviously that would be detrimental to the pickhawk situation. So I think I do have to go with, with Kevin. I think I do have to go with Kevin because he does so much. And, and if he is playing, he's going to get rebound. He's going to get lots of stuff for pickhawk. So I'm going to go with Kevin here tentatively. I don't love the pick, but I think, I, I think it's the right one for the first weekend. Okay. So Kevin McCuller it is. I am going to say that Grady Dick shows up with the bright lights. I'm going to say that he, at least one of these two games, he goes off and he has a big weekend. I There is a part of me that wonders if with how much you're playing all these really good Big 12 opponents and then you're playing them a second time and a lot of them have good defenses and a lot of them have good coaches and they were able to develop these game plans to, to stop him. And yeah, you could say, well, then why wouldn't the teams are playing this weekend just watch that tape and do the same thing? It's one thing to see it and try to do it. It's another thing to play a team twice and get a bunch of reps to be able to do it. And it just makes it easier when you're playing a team a second time. I think not playing Big 12 opponents could open up Grady here in the tournament. So I'm going to take Grady Dick. Okay. Well, that leaves me with the last starter. I'll go with KJ Adams. And KJ's been pretty stalwart. He's been pretty consistent. He gets pretty good rebounding. He, he can score here and there. The thing with KJ is he's not going to take a ton of shots, which in, in Pickahawk is beneficial because that if he has high efficiency, he loses less points for shots. So the issue with KJ is what if he fouls out? Or what if he does pick up a lot of fouls in a game and then get hit with those foul penalties? But I think the upside for KJ is significant. I'll raise that. So I'll roll with KJ as my third pick. Okay, I will. I could go with one of the other team's players. I'm going to go Ernest Duday. I do not feel confident that Bobby and Joe, like, they could have games where they get you negative points in a in, in an event like this. But with Ernest, you know, there's a, there's a lower ceiling, but he could come in and grab three, four rebounds in 10, 12 minutes and, and get you two points with not missing a shot. Maybe get a block or something in there and get you a solid, like, six to ten pickhawk points per game. So I will go with uh, Ernest Duday. All right. Well, I'm going to go with Joe. Listen, I've been a, I have been a Joe believer now for the past couple of weeks in that he's going to have a game where he goes up. I don't know when or how or why, but I think it's going to happen. And I think it's probably more than, most likely going to happen in the first weekend. So that's why I'm going with Joe in the first weekend because think about it, man. Can you get something against Howard? Here comes Joe, and he ends up scoring 20 points and hits some threes, you know. And that could, and if, if he has one good game, that could be enough to eclipse a guy like Ernest Sude or somebody like that in terms of pick a hawk. So I'm rolling with Joe. I'm a believer. Give me Joe. Okay. I am going to, if, if you would not have taken Joe there, I was going to take Joe here. So because of that, I am going to take the player from the other team. So for the Howard game, I'm going to take Elijah Hawkins. He's their leader in points per game. He scores 13 a game, gets six assists per game, almost two steals, so he fills it up a bit. Uh, I am a little worried because he averages four turnovers per game, and Dewan Harris could get like eight steals, um, and that would be very pro- non-profit. I guess it would help me, though, because uh, 
I have Dewan Harris as well. But he, he shoots 47% from three. He's the team's leading scorer. Uh, I will go Elijah Hawkins for uh, Howard. For Arkansas, I'm going to go with Anthony Black. You have a couple good options with Arkansas. You can go Ricky Council, Nick Smith, Anthony Black. There's uh, Davis, who, who gets over 10 points per game for them. Um, but I am going to go with Anthony Black because he fills up everything in the stat sheet. 13 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, shoots it well from 2, is uh, kind of a streak shooter from downtown from 3. So I like Anthony Black there. And then for Illinois, Terrence Shannon averages 17 a game, almost 5 rebounds. Like That would be the obvious one. But I'm going to actually go Coleman Hawkins because Terrence Shannon is a streak shooter. He can have games where he'll go like 4 of 14 and he might have too many turnovers. With Hawkins, he's a center. He gets 10 points per game, six and a half rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. Fills up the stat sheet. Maybe won't miss as many shots as Terrence Shannon, so I will take uh, Coleman Hawkins slash Anthony Black slash Elijah Hawkins. I'm going with the Hawkins lineup. Okay, so now this is my last pick, right? Yeah, you have to take somebody from the other team. Okay, so for Howard, I'm going to go with Steve Settle, their big man. I think he has a chance to be pretty efficient, so I'm not going to lose many points from shooting. And, you know, listen, KU has struggled with offensive rebounding issues. Maybe Settle gets some offensive rebounds, and, you know, that helps boost his pick-off points. I'm going with Settle, the big man, for Howard. For Arkansas, I have to go with Ricky Council because, listen, I'm from Wichita. He originally played Wichita State. Got to roll with my boy Ricky Council. Go with Ricky Council for Arkansas. And for Illinois, the fact that he left the door open with Tara Chan is interesting, and I think I have to walk through that door. I think I have to take him because – yeah, he might have a bad game, but I think his upside is so high that I have to roll with him over anybody else in Illinois, so I'll go with Shannon. So I'm going to go with Steve Settle from Howard, and then from Arkansas, Ricky Council, and Terrence Shannon from Illinois. Okay, I'll finish things off. Bobby Pettiford, I'm worried it's going to be negative, but I, I got to swing for the fences. I got to. So He could have uh, gone for Zuby. Could have gone for Zuby. I know, I know, but I, I'm just going to go with it. I'm, I'm going to hope this Maybe is a Jankovic, good weekend. If, he gets, if, if Jankovic gets in in the Howard game, he could score more points that would not be negative compared to Bobby. That would actually be a good idea, but I'll stick with Bobby and hope that uh, something happens. Okay, well, uh, that's going to do it for Pickhawk. That's going to do it for this segment. Nick, appreciate you uh, hopping on again, man. Have fun in Des Moines this week. Thank you. Yep, go Hawks. All right, that's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. Let's let's listen in to the uh, audio from Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris. This is RCST. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Finishing off the show today with some more audio. We got a chance to hear from both Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris up at the podium, dais, desk, table, whatever you want to call it, ahead of their NCAA tournament game tomorrow against the Howard Bison. You can hear it here on KLWN, pregame 1130, tip-off at 1 o'clock. Here's what the two of them had to say. Gary Bedore, Casey Starr, Jalen, Coach Blakeney, of Howard said he worked with you at the Combine and really loves your game. Do you remember working with him, and what do you remember about that? And I have a follow-up. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Uh, that was the one good thing about the Combine. I was able to work with a lot of different people and coaches and, uh, you know, well-respected man. You know, I appreciate everything that we was able to encounter at the Combine, and uh, it was great. Uh, how anxious are you to play a team outside the Big 12? I know you've been in the grind of the Big 12 forever, just playing somebody else. Yeah, you know, the Big 12 was, like, was the, the hardest conference in the country this year, was the best conference, best conference in the country. So, really, I'm, ha- I'm happy we get to play someone different, get to see something new. So, we just got to be ready to play. 
We have a question on the right side. Okay, we go up to the front row here on the left side on the aisle. Hey guys, Scott Reese, KCTV5, um, and I'll have a follow-up as well. Jalen, I know you guys have talked about the pressure to repeat, uh, but I'm just wondering, you know, if you guys appreciate how difficult it is, not only to repeat, but to lose 70% of your production from last year and to do what you guys have done and be in that position again. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a blessing to be back here as a, as a number one seed. And, uh, you know, I don't think anyone really is looking at it as, you know, us repeat. I think it's just us going to uh, to win it again as, as far as this is for something for us. And, uh, you know, to, to do that, it's going to take us winning two games at a time each weekend and uh, understanding every game is going to be a battle no matter who we're playing. And uh, just appreciate the moment that we're in. You know, it doesn't come too too often that you're number one seed. So it's it's great to be in this position again and uh, have the opportunity right in front of us to go do it. How does the experience that you guys went through last year, how does that sort of raise the bar for your expectations and you knowing what that feels like to cut down the nets? You know, last year we was an older team, so we we had a lot of vets, so it was much easier. So uh, we was more together than we than we was this year because, you know, we was more we was vets and stuff. But this year, you know, Jay Will, he's one of the best players in the country. He's leading us, so we just following behind him. You know, it's going to be his last year here, so we just want to try to do our best for him. Going back right side, Eric Olson, Associated Press. Thanks, Mike. I don't have to identify myself now. Uh, Jalen, uh, wanted to ask you about Coach Self. Uh, I guess how's how's he looking here uh, since he's come back uh, to to rejoin the team after his procedure? Oh, he's looking great. Feeling great. Uh, we were able to talk to him today at practice, and uh, you know he's he's excited. We're all excited, and uh, it's great to have him back on the court with us, and for him able to coach us and. Uh, you know, start off tomorrow with a bang. Question on the left side. Hi, guys. David Lawrence, Jayhawk Radio. Uh, Juan, their point guard, Elijah Hawkins, 47% shooter from the three. Uh, All-conference player. Just talk about that challenge of uh, taking on such a good three-point shooter. Uh, I know he does a lot for his team. You know, he gets in the lane. He shoots it. You know, I think their whole team shoots a lot of threes. I think they got like three or four guys that shot over 103. So, I think tomorrow we got to guard the uh, three-point line and just be ready to come out and play with a lot of energy. Other questions for our student-athletes here? Front row. Nick Springer, Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I just wonder, after winning the title last year, do you guys feel more or less pressure coming into the tournament this year? How do you think that's, that run last year helps you coming into this year? Uh, I don't feel any pressure at all. Um, you know, that's the beauty of this tournament is that it's really just one game, a lot of one-game tournaments. This is win or go home. And uh, I just embrace having fun. You know, this is the best time of the year for basketball. Uh, even when I was a kid watching, uh, this is the best time of the year. Just just to experience everything, see see all the basketball. Because um, I'm not only getting to play, but able to watch a lot of good basketball. So uh, I don't feel any pressure at all. You know, I think we're just here to, to do what we know how to do, play our basketball and, and have fun. Yeah, basically what Jay Will said, just coming in to play our best basketball, staying together, stay locked in, you know, having coaches back and then, you got to keep winning. We got to win, and then hopefully we can make another great run. Front row on the aisle. Yeah, hey guys, I'm just wondering with 
coach self is still not quite ready, obviously, to do media here. And, you know, certainly from our vantage point, the uncertainty. I'm just wondering, what's it been like for you guys the last couple of weeks? I know how important he is to you, how much you know, important he is to the program. What's it been like for you with sort of the uncertainty of coach's role as we head into this tournament? Oh, we know coach's role. He'll be coaching. Uh, you know, he's doing everything that, that he's uh, been doing. Uh, he was down for a while for the Big 12 tournament, but he's back. He's energized and excited, um, you know, and, and, and ready to get this going again. And, you know, we're super excited to have him back. So so we know we'll have him. Time for one more question here on the left side. Good. And then we'll go take your question up front row, and that'll be it. Guys, probably two weeks ago, I mean, we were on a seven-game run of wins. A uh, couple losses to Texas, and now a lot of people are – picking us to get upset early in the tournament. Does that provide an extra edge that there are some doubters out there just from both of you? Uh, no, doubters is, is always a part of this tournament. I remember last year going to the Final Four, they gave us the worst percentage or at least to, to win it win it all, and we ended up winning. So, you know, all those people who make percentages are, are people who are not on the court with us. You know, we control what we can, can control. and you know, and how hard we play and how together we are. And, you know, we could care less about what someone thinks that we're going to do. You know, uh, upsets happen every single year, so I'm not saying it can't happen to anyone. But, you know, we're confident what we can do, and we don't really look to, to percentages and what people have us, you know. Uh, yeah, we don't really think about no doubters. You know, we see a lot of stuff, but, you know, we just play our game and stay true to what we are, you know. You know, Kansas, you know, we get a lot of hate sometimes, so, you know, People going to try to be on the downside of us. So, but we just got to stay together and stay, stay to who we are. Final question in the front row. Uh, Maddie Hartley, University Daily, Kansas. Jalen, knowing this is your last run in the tournament, are you just kind of taking it all in? For sure, for sure. I've been uh, having fun with it all year. And to, to be at this point, you know, number one seed in, in a great position and, and the best time to play basketball is, is exciting. And, uh, you know, I just want to embrace it all game by game and, and, and just, you know, soak it all in. So it's going to be fun. That was Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris speaking with the media earlier today. If you missed any of our show, you can check it out on the Best of RCST podcast, wherever you find your podcast. We won't have a show the next two days. We're going to be airing Westwood One coverage of the entire NCAA tournament tomorrow and Friday. We got your KU game for you here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS, with pregame at 11.30, tip-off at 1 o'clock. So we'll be back at you on uh, Monday of next week to recap whatever happens over the course of this weekend. Don't forget, again, you can check out anything on the Best of RCSD podcast. Have a good rest of your day. Have a good rest of your week, and talk to you later.